Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. So good. You know, over and over again, we hear these stories of people um, who said, I felt like a whirlwind go through my body, or I felt like a liquid heat come over my body. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. But also, we hear stories of people who felt nothing, but yet believed and received and just began to declare, I'm the healed of the Lord, and have gone back, got their doctor's reports, and found, wow, look what the Lord has done. Hepatitis, healed. Diabetes, healed. Cancer, healed. Lymphoma, healed. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. And you know, I believe increasingly the Holy Spirit is wanting to stir faith in the hearts of people so that His glory can cover the earth as the water covers the sea. You see, the heart of God is that healings and miracles would never be a specialty ministry for a few special people. God isn't... uh, only anointing this one or that one. You don't need the mantle of this one or that one. I would put to you that, you know, the story of Elisha, when he was seeing Elijah do all these incredible miracles, he got really determined. He went, I want a double portion of what you've got. And Elijah went, oh, you've asked a hard thing. But if you see me when I go, you'll have what you've asked for. So he just kept his eyes on Elijah. He wouldn't be dissuaded. Elijah kept trying to put him off saying, you just stay here, I'm going over here. And Elijah was like, "Uh -uh, uh, no, where you go, I go. I'm keeping my eyes on you. I want that double portion. And he kept going after him, going after him, going after him until finally Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind and the mantle fell down and Elisha picked it up struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters parted. And scripture records that Elisha did twice as many miracles, recorded miracles as Elijah. Well, people read that and they think, well, I need the mantle of Wigglesworth. I need the mantle of Catherine Coleman. I need the mantle of this person or that person. But the great good news is, is that you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ have received something greater than that. There was another one who was taken up to heaven before their eyes, and his name was Jesus. And he said, as a promise to anyone who would believe, that the same works he did and greater works would they do. That is a double portion of the mantle of Jesus Christ. Elijah was a type of Christ, (coughs) but God wants to do much more than what you've read about, what you've thought about, what you've hoped for. Can I just grab a little mint? Nothing is impossible. (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) It's the dry wind. 
But I hope you're, no, leave it on. I think they'll enjoy leaving it on, right? You, you warm? Warm is good. You can make it warmer. A double portion. A double portion mantle. But I've seen people going to extreme lengths. <coughs> going to extreme lengths to say, I need, I need something else to move in the anointing. I need to, I need to, maybe I need to do a 40-day fast. Maybe I need to do this or I need to do that. But if you can do something, <coughs> excuse me, if you can do something to earn it, you can take the credit for it. You can take pride. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to catch my breath. <coughs> Excuse me. The heart of Jesus is that we would take what he says and pick it up and do something with it. This promise, these signs shall follow those who believe. It's not those who have done this or done that. The good news is that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means whether you are doing well or not doing well, if you believe that Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the work of the evil one, then operating in that authority is not dependent on how well you've performed, but on his goodness and on his promise. Which is why people can do miracles and still have ungodly character, live in ungodly ways. We know that and we go, yeah, well, that's right. That's why not everyone who comes into the kingdom and says, Lord, Lord, gets into the kingdom. But I like to look at it like this. All the pressure's off. When you go to pray for somebody and the enemy says, well, have you really lived up to that to this week? Have you measured up to the standard of Christ in all of your behavior this week? Do you really have the right to operate in his authority? If we measure ourselves by our performance, we're likely to often disqualify ourselves. But if we, even if we came up with the answer that says, yeah, I did, I did, I've had a pretty good week, I feel confident, then you're moving in self-righteousness anyway. The heart of God is to reveal to us that he is kinder than any of us ever understood that he delights to share his authority, his kingdom, his power, his giftings with anyone who believes. Not just pure vessels that have proven their worth and that could claim to be like gold. Not those that are uh, seasoned and mature and have come through the fire. He gives his robe and his ring to the ones who have sinned yesterday. 
Well, surely it's a provisional robe. Just to see how they go. No. It's actually the father's ring. The father's robe. And it doesn't seem fair. Because we think that surely the reward of operating in the mantle of Christ should go to those who are exemplary and are, 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 are completely living continuously above reproach. The good news is we have power to live above reproach, pure, holy, righteous lives who enjoy the freedom of being as he is, free from sin. But it isn't our performance that qualifies us. The, the gift has been given before we've measured up because no one can measure up to the standard of holiness. The Bible says that none is righteous, no, not one. But when we come to him and we give him our lives, we give him our heart, we give him our sin, he gives us in exchange his righteousness. And this magnificent gift empowers us to be as bold as lions, not based on our performance, but based on his goodness. People get nervous when you talk about this. It's like, well, hang on, hang on. If you start telling people that they can move in the gifts and the power of God and not be living perfect, holy lives, then you know people might just live sinful lives. They do anyway. God's heart isn't to give you the gifts and the miracles and the power as a reward. He gives it as a demonstration of his goodness, of his kindness, and of his mercy. And let me tell you, as you start to operate in the power of Christ, your heart doesn't go, yeah, I want to go and be sinful. Your heart wants to hit the deck and worship God and give him everything and take more time to drink in the presence of his majesty that has just touched someone's heart with his love. It's liberating. Because I have known this for a long, long time. But sometimes, for a long time, I lived still with a heart belief that didn't quite match up with my head knowledge. My head would say, thank you God, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I've confessed my sins, therefore I'm righteous and just. My heart would say, still not there yet. Praise the Lord, he's greater than my heart. Hallelujah. That even if my heart condemns me, he's greater than my heart. But you know what else is really good news? Is when we start to grab a hold of the reality of the truth that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, that his kindness is given freely, not based on how well we've worked for it. When we believe that, the blessing flows to other people freely. You see, if it's only on the weeks where you have really done well that you can move in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's only in those weeks that the world gets to see Jesus. The Bible says that we're to preach the gospel, not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. 
But if we can only demonstrate the Spirit's power when we've earned it as the reward for that week because I've done really well, then it's gonna be limited. And it's also gonna be puffing you up with much more pride than if you see God do a miracle through you when you know full well you haven't been earning it. The heart of God is so wise. He's so much wiser than we are. He doesn't say, right, you're ready now because you've done this and this and this. He says, if you come to me like a little child and you say, I need you, I've sinned, he doesn't even recall or make mention of your past sins. He doesn't provisionally give you authority, waiting to see how you do with that. He gives you the kingdom, the authority, the name in which you can do not only the very same works as Jesus, but greater works. Surely that seems a bit irresponsible. But his ways are higher than our ways, and he is smarter than we are. Let me tell you, if you would step into the liberty of understanding the goodness of God, it is not gonna increase a desire for sin. It is gonna increase your heart of worship because you will be approaching him not on the basis of how well you've done, but on the basis of his true nature, which is perfect kindness, perfect goodness, love that is beyond our comprehension, love that isn't conditional, love that isn't earned, but the goodness and kindness of God which leads us to repentance. It doesn't lead us to being puffed up. It doesn't lead us into a deeper desire for loose living. It leads us into a place of deeper revelation of his love that casts out all the fear and that causes us to lift our heads with confidence, knowing that when he looks at us, he's not tolerating us, he's not ashamed of us, he's not afraid of us, he's not frustrated with us, but he's looking at us, not even recalling what you did yesterday looking at you and saying, forgiven, clean, righteous, as holy as I am. Wow. <laughs> what does it take to relate to God on the basis of his goodness and his kindness? It takes humility because it takes a grace, a humility to receive what you can have absolutely no part in earning. And what it does is as you come to him to worship him based on his goodness, based on his kindness, your heart gets filled with a deeper revelation of his mercy and his goodness. And then when you go to relate to other people, you're not relating to them on the basis of their 
holiness, their righteousness, or their performance, but on the basis of his goodness, his kindness, and his great love. It means you also can become the friend of sinners. The only ones Jesus got annoyed with, the only ones he got angry with, are those that tried to keep people from coming to him by putting religious obstacles in the way. Those who tried to create laws and rules that would inhibit the, the ability for people to come to God. Those who would try, like they did in the, um, in the temple courts, to try to charge exorbitant amounts for people to be able to pay for the sacrifices. These are the things that God does not like, but he looks at those who come to him in faith and says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's a good, good father. He's not your judge. He's not the one who's looking at you, sizing you up based on how you performed this week and handing out the prize for this week. This week, you can see a good miracle because you did well. He's a good father that when you approach him in faith, that says, I believe you're better than I feel like I deserve. I believe that you are the power of God in me and that you have come to make me clean, that I am righteous before you because of your shed blood, that right now you in me is all that I need to see the fullness of the power of heaven released. Faith pleases God. Your self-righteousness, your false humility, it doesn't please the Father. It's an obstacle for you seeing clearly the fullness of the revelation of love that will activate the faith that's resident within you and ready to be released like a river. You see, self-righteousness, all it does is act like a, a plug, a cap on the river of faith that God wants to release through you. It's so conditional and so deceptive, God wants to release truth to you, that he alone is good. And thank you, God, that's why today I have to reckon myself dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ because I certainly can have no part in claiming righteousness for myself, but I can have and enjoy the fullness of your power to walk out holiness, godliness, and righteousness solely because of your great grace and the mercy, the power of your Holy Spirit that's transformed me from the inside out. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's not that you have to try harder. It's because you've like a man that looked at his natural face in a mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. If you're not walking in the fullness of God's power, the fullness of God's holiness, it's not because you haven't done well enough or tried hard enough. It's because you've forgotten how good he is and the fact that he has also filled you with his goodness. Hallelujah. 
I want to read one final scripture that I love from Romans 15, if you want to turn there with me. Hallelujah. Who loves the book of Romans? Hallelujah, it's so wonderful. Praise the Lord, Romans 15. Nothing is impossible, hallelujah. Romans 15. Verse 14, this is Paul speaking to the church. He says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. In other words, Paul's saying, what I'm doing is I'm just reminding you of this reality. You are full of goodness. If you will believe that you are full of the goodness of God, that having received the Savior, you've received goodness personified. Living on the inside of you, then freely as you have received and believed, freely you will give. And his goodness isn't just sympathetic, it's full of power, hallelujah. God, our great God, is wanting to wake the church up to the reality that God is kinder than you've ever realized. That God is far better than any person you've ever known. When he looks at you, he doesn't look at you with a probationary tolerance that's like, you did a really big sin yesterday, so we're just gonna walk very carefully together today and I'll see how we go. He doesn't guard his heart like that. It's astonishing, because we do. We're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, all right, we'll just have to watch and see how this goes. He's there going, full authority, robe, ring. And it seems so irresponsible. Yet his ways are wonderful. And they always lead us to a deeper level of repentance and worship. They lead us, lead us to a deeper level of his, a revelation of his great love for us. And it leads us to a greater capacity to show the same mercy that we receive. Hallelujah. Do you have a revelation of the mercy of God? The Father himself wants you to know that his love for you is intense, rich, and deep. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We bless you. We give you honor. Now, I really believe that the Lord is trying to release to us as a body across the earth, a fresh awakening to his mercy and his goodness. Because for too long we have lived reflecting what we have subconsciously believed about God. We've believed that he is like us, when in fact he is so much kinder. 
we've believed that he is always looking for what needs to be corrected and is always looking to make sure that we don't get too happy because, you know, really you are actually sinners. The Bible says that you're no longer a sinner but a saint when you get saved. Hallelujah. And God actually believes it. And he doesn't relate to you as a sinner. He doesn't relate to you based on what you've done. He relates to you based on the fact that you've put your faith in Jesus as the one who is your redeemer. He relates to you on the reality that Christ has come and he has given you freedom. Freedom from self. Freedom from lies. Freedom from sin. And that when you come to him, he is the father that Jesus talked about in the story of the prodigal son. All the time. Not just the first time you got saved, but every time you come to him, He's the same. He's not kind just to get you in the door and then you really find out what he's like. Actually, now that you're in, we're gonna teach you some things. That's not what he's like. When you get in the door, he's not there going, okay, now we really need to have a talk about all these things that are wrong with you. When you get in the door, you know what he's ready to do? Pick you up, put you on his lap. Tell you I love you. He's ready for you to sit beside him and dream together about the good works that he's laid up in advance for you to do. He's looking for you to see what he sees, and that is to see what is pure and lovely and of a good report. He's looking to keep your head lifted up so that you can fix your eyes on things above. You know, God's wanting to encourage and empower the church to stop judging one another and to start looking at his love and his goodness that we might look and see what he loves about people. We've become very good at looking and seeing what we think he must not love. But God doesn't look at that. He looks at you and he loves you. And he draws you to himself, knowing that as you come to him, you're not going to want anything else that's not him. God's ways are higher than our ways. He hates sin. That's why he died, to set us free from it. But he knows that by continually pointing it out, that's not going to cause you to walk free from it. He knows that he, he, as he continually reminds you of the reality that you are full of goodness, you are better than you feel like you deserve, you are full of me, when you believe that, you start living out of the reality that I am a saint. I am full of goodness, therefore I behave in a way that is truly good. I am full of love. Love is patience personified. Therefore, I am patient. Love is kind. Therefore, I'm not trying to be kind, but I actually am. Kindness personified. He's so much smarter than we are. His ways are wonderful, and all his ways are just. 
praise the Lord that God's justice looks like the woman that was caught in the very act. He says, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What he was doing wasn't a provisional, well, hang on now, I'll give you another chance. What he was saying was, I'm giving you power now to live a completely different life. You are free to no longer be bound by any of that that you've done or by the definitions or the accusations. You are free now to walk in holiness and purity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God isn't keeping a tally. He's looking at your heart and he's looking at your faith that says, thank you, Father. I received the gift of your goodness in my life today. And out of that place, I am going to run. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, I believe in miracles. Because, as Catherine Kuhlman would say, because I believe in God. That's who he is. And I know, I know that he wants to break us as a people out of a mindset that a few people get healed occasionally. The Bible says that he healed them all. Everyone who came to him was healed. If he was the the standard for the same works that we do and says to us, even greater works? What's that look like? Now, God wants to lift off the cap of past experiences and bring us into a place where we start to believe like children who really have been redeemed and have been so lavishly loved by God, so condition, unconditionally shown mercy, grace, and kindness, that we manifest with a holy boldness the power of God so that the world can see this God, this Jesus is God that they might know him. He is a good, good father. Hallelujah. And you believing in his goodness is not just about you. It's about the world around you seeing who he is. Hallelujah. We're gonna pray for a few people in just a minute, but before we do that, I wanna ask you tonight, if you're here and you know in your heart you haven't responded to the mercy of Christ. He offers it freely. Here's my mercy. Here's my forgiveness. But unless you open your heart and receive it, you stay separated from God. Without holiness, no one can see God and no one can achieve holiness by their good works. But if you humble yourself and say, God, I need mercy, I need forgiveness, I need you to give me your goodness, your righteousness, and you believe that Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, who died and rose again, as you respond in faith to him, he says he will come in and make his home in you. Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. You will be connected to him forever and have eternal life. 
If you're here tonight and you know in your heart you haven't made that choice to cross the line and say, yes, Lord, I want to put my faith in your mercy. I want to pray for you before we pray for anyone else tonight. Is anyone here that says, yeah, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ tonight. I want to receive the mercy of Christ. Let me see your hand if that's you. Is anyone here tonight? Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.